Welcome to the official podcast of Cardinals Nation 24-7. Each week, we put a unique perspective on bringing you the latest news, updates, and rumors of the St. Louis Cardinals baseball organization. Join the nation and stay informed by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, subscribing to us on the podcast form of your choice, and most of all, by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Thank you all for supporting the nation. Let's get things started. Here are your hosts, Jared Redwine, Chris Lawless, and Larry Cox. Hello, Cardinals Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Cardinals Nation 24-7 podcast. I'm Jared Redwine, and I'm joined, as always, by my friends and my co-hosts, the living legend, Larry Cox. How are you, my friend? I'm good, my son, my friend. How are you? Doing well, my son, my friend. I'll be out of it. That's my friend. Then joining us, as always, from Studio 6, is the founder of Cardinal Nation 24-7, Mr. Chris Lawless. Chris, how are you, my friend? Doing, doing good. Doing good. Ready to talk some Cardinal baseball with you guys. Hey, guys, today we're going to cover a couple things just so everybody knows what's watching. We're going to obviously discuss the Malina injury. Flaherty gets another W. Wainwright pitches a complete game but doesn't quite pick up a victory. Uh, but the starting rotation seems to be uh, doing a little better. And then injury updates, as always, with the, the rest of the team. But Chris, we'll start off by jumping to you. The starting rotation looks to be a little more locked in. We've talked about them only going five innings in our last podcast. And now it looks like uh, they're starting to pull it together. And we've had uh, some pretty good outings uh, from the last three uh, games, including tonight's. Yeah, it was, it's nice to see Gant going long in the games. Flaherty had a nice outing. Wainwright, uh, you know, had complete game, although he's on the losing end. You know, it was good to see that, you know, even tonight's game where Carlos Martinez is grinding it out, you're you're not taxing the bullpen and you're getting the most out of your starting pitching. That's, that's good to see. Yeah, Larry, you have to figure the last night's game was a little bit disappointing, uh, Wainwright and the Cardinals lost to Reese Hoskins, uh, not the Phillies, but just the individual. You have a, two home runs. Unfortunately, they were both to him, two solo shots. Wayno pitched another great game after he had a hell of an outing before racking up the strikeouts and didn't uh, get a victory. And then same thing happened for him again today. You got to see, uh, you got to like the way he's pitching and the way he looks, uh, but obviously a little disappointed that he didn't come up with a victory in either one of those games. Yeah, I mean, what, what can you say about the game last night? Um, Wheeler pitched a hell of a game. You got to tip your hat to the guy. Um, sometimes yeah. the other team just does a really good job. There's nothing you can do about it. Your offense doesn't help you out. Wayno pitched his side, did his part. Um, it's nice to see the old man, you know, coming through when the team needs it. The pitching coming around, it's pretty good. It's an exciting time to be a Cardinals fan again. Yeah, it's always good. You know, it was a big scare for us, you know, seeing the starting rotation not going very deep into the games, and now it seems like they've kind of ride the ship at least temporarily and have figured out a way to get that done. And staying on the same topic, Chris, it looks like we're going to go to an intermittent six-man rotation with uh, Aviedo making the start on Wednesday. Your thoughts on the, the six-man and Aviedo making a start? I do like Oviedo getting a start. You know, we've talked prior that having a six-man rotation really wouldn't benefit the starters if, you know, they're only going minimal innings. Um, it might help a guy like Wainwright get an extra day of rest, but it would keep somebody like Jack Flaherty maybe from being sharp. But right now with the pitchers all clicking on all cylinders like they have, I don't think that, you know, 
it, it can only benefit them to have him come up. I know they've got a long stretch of games that they want to ride this six-man rotation out for a little bit, and hopefully it'll keep the bullpen a little fresh too. Yeah, Larry, I know we've talked about, you know, the guys going deep into games has been more important than a six-man rotation. You see adding a six-man now that it looks like they're starting to click, like Chris said, causing a problem or just being that much more of a benefit. Uh, I, I think, like Chris said, the, the length of the amount of games that we have consecutively, that's going to be nothing but advanta- advantageous to the team. Um, and not only that, but you're getting to see a young arm get a chance to prove what he did. wasn't a fluke last time he had his outing. Um, it'll also help the bullpen as well. It gives that extra arm in the bullpen as well. That you know, if he if he takes a start, maybe he can go a little deeper than the other starters went. But now they're all starting to click, like he said. I mean, I would see that this is nothing but a positive. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of on the same line with you, Chris. I'm excited to see Aviado come in and get some, uh, you know, getting a couple chances in the starting rotations, and then maybe we'll see something click with you know Reyes maybe coming in for long relief for Cabrera. But with the Aviado move comes another move, Chris. You got to figure. I don't know who's going to be going down, but you have to think it would be Ponce de Leon. He's been someone that's disappeared and been forgotten, basically. Uh, one might think so, but I the the Hurst call up really didn't make a whole lot of sense. And when you do have Dean and Williams both, you know, I I don't really see the point in having him up. Uh, they could send Ponce down because he has struggled, but I don't think having Hurst up really is helping this team much. I mean, at most we've seen a couple pinch hit at bats, and I don't think he's really, you know, putting any any kind of fear on getting a spot over the guys that are currently out there. And then you got Bader that'll be coming back before we know it. Yeah, so you think Hurst will be down now and then Ponce when Bader's ready? Could be. I was kind of thinking maybe the opposite thing is Ponce will be sitting down now and then Hurst will just be riding around until Bader gets back, who's trying to make a comeback and make a list of throwing as well. But uh, it doesn't, as long as our throwing rotation's clicking with Kim and Martinez and Wainwright and everybody all together, uh, we don't really have a rush for him to come back. I would like for Aviator to come in and actually make a, some kind of impact and make them, you know, make them have a tough decision on their hands whether or not sending Aviato back down after this little experiment is going to happen or if he's going to stick around. I would like to like it for it to be the latter, of course. But speaking of which, we have seen Ponds disappear, Chris. What do you think the reasoning is behind that? We haven't seen him at all, basically. We haven't seen him warming up in the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, he had a couple, you know, rough outings and, you know, gets pulled out of the starting rotation, uh, you know, Mike Schilt and the way he's managed the bullpen, it seems as though Tyler Webb has pitched a lot more games than what he has. Um, he has gone to him quite a bit. Uh, Gallegos and Helsley are pretty well consistently thrown out there as well. And, you know, even the Hennessy Cabrera has pitched more than Ponce has, but I'm surprised he hasn't went to Cabrera more. But the, the, then again, those are your long relief type roles that – Usually, even if our pitchers weren't going deep in a game, he likes to have that Reyes and Hicks one-two punch at the end of a game, and he doesn't really pitch our relievers more than an inning. So it's, Ponce has just kind of been the odd man out, regardless of his struggles, just just for having a spot on the way that Schultz handling the bullpen. Yeah, Larry, now back to you too. Somebody like Abieto coming up and making a good performance could make someone like Ponce expendable or else – basically make him disappear. 
looks like he was up long enough just to get that book released. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we, at, during the spring training coming into the season, we talked about the, you know, the, the plethora of pitching that we do have. And there are a lot of teams that are starving for pitching right now. And there's always that outside chance we talked about that maybe the expansion for next year with the new contract, CBA might add two teams. So why not trade a player like a Ponce now if he's not an impact player on this roster rather than lose him later in, in a draft to the, to the franchise draft? Um, or why not solidify the young talent that we have in the lower ranks? I mean, you're always going to need – we know Herrera is probably the heir apparent for catcher. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe add another catcher at the single A or the low levels. Um, or maybe a first baseman. You know, Goldie's not, not exactly getting younger. So there's always possibilities there, but maybe Ponce just needs to sharpen up a little bit as well. Maybe it's to light a fire under him. Yeah, and I think with a lot of these minor league players – too, just touching on that, you know, a lot of them, they, they start up as one position and end up becoming another before they make that big league roster. So who knows, but you did touch on catchers. So speaking of catchers, Chris, Yadier Molina to the injured list. Um, we saw him get hurt and kind of tweak his foot there. And then he sat out an extra game. He was removed in one game and then sat out another one, but made his return. And then uh, the move was announced, I guess, maybe he tried to play through it a little too tough. So, uh, it's, it's a little bit of a blow, though, because he's been a huge uh, offensive asset and defensive. You know, he's handled the staff really well. Uh, but on the flip side of that, Kinsner has looked really well in this early going. His, his limited opportunities, he's hit well. He's also been catching well and handling the pitching staff very well. So your thoughts just on uh, Yachty going down, if you can touch on that, and also your thoughts on Kinsner and how he's looking so far this year. Yeah, it was, it, you know, you want to say it's a huge blow to have one of your best hitters in Molina, even though that's not what you'd consider him. You, you'd consider it just by the, the defensive metric, but he's been one of our best hitters, and to have him go down, that does suck. It does help Kisner get some playing time. Uh, they Their corresponding move was to have Ali Sanchez called up. Uh, we've talked before about if Kisner wasn't getting much playing time, if it would make sense to have him on the trading block. And when you've got a Tyler Heineman and Ali Sanchez, both that could be capable backups, uh, you know, it it could mean that he's Carson Kelly 2.0, you know, getting blocked with playing time. But in a situation like this where, you know, he's getting some playing time, he hits the ball well, uh, he's called some really good games behind the plate too. And I think some of that speaks to the fact that he's come up through the minors with a lot of these pitchers that he's catching and has a good relationship with it. Now, uh, that being said, too, with Kisner, if if the team did decide to move him, I read an article where Bob Nightingale says that if the Washington Nationals are out of the running soon, that they could be shopping Max Scherzer. Now, Andrew Kisner might be a piece that you could offer, along with maybe Ponce and a couple prospects. Um that would be a dream come true, but I think that's something maybe later on down the season to discuss. Yeah, no, I mean, you, he has to get playing time, and maybe this is a good auditioning period for him regardless of how he plays. And we don't know the extent of Yachty's injury. You know, Yachty is usually a guy that uh, can break bones and horse and somehow only spends his minimum required time on the injured list, almost called it by the former name. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, but a lot of people forget that uh, Ali Sanchez are, is our 24th ranked prospect in the Cardinal system. So it'll be interesting to get a little look at him too in limited appearances and kind of get another look. Obviously, 
uh, like Larry was mentioning before, and I'm about to kick it to Larry. Herrera is our new main prospect, so they want him playing every day. So somebody like Sanchez is going to come up and see the limited opportunities behind uh, Kinsner, but probably more so uh, than you would see Kinsner for Yachty. I would say Sanchez will probably get every third or fourth game would be my guess. Larry, your thoughts, though, on you know the GOAT Yachty going down after he's been performing so well for the team. Uh, you know, Luckily, we're in, a, in the middle of a good – pitching outing as far as team-wide goes in these last couple series, and the offense seems to be clicking. So uh, maybe if you're going to lose him, now's kind of the time. Well, as of my fantasy team and fantasy owner, I uh, hate to see Yachty go down. He's one of my leading hitters. Um, but also the, just the fact that we, uh, we have 17 games in 17 days, basically, before we have a day off. Um, so you are I didn't understand the whole concept that Yachty's going to try to catch all those games anyhow. Um, it did make sense to me. Uh, I like I like this move. Um, it just depends on what they do with Kisner, letting him play or not, or are they going to let Sanchez show what he can do? That becomes that becomes the other issue. I mean, how many times do we see Kisner get his chance last year or the year before, and then he got benched behind another player that really didn't have a future with the team? So that that's what fear, that's what I fear the most. I want to see the kid play. I, I've always said that. I like letting the kids play, um, especially now that it's showing that by them playing, they brought all the energy they brought to this team, and then the adding the missing piece of Arenado and those players that's really sparked this team this year. Yeah, I think uh, Kinsler's going to get the majority of the time behind the plate, but I think you'll see Sanchez spell him more often than you would see Kinsner spell Yadi, if that makes sense. Because, you know, Kinsner is also going the last couple of years to not having much of a workload to now throwing in. So I'm sure they're going to work to get him some off days, especially if you see the doubleheader situation or the night to day game situations coming up. I think you'll probably see Sanchez get a start there. He's known for being a, a pretty good hitter. So I guess maybe we'll see what can happen. Now, on the flip side of, of that with the hitting, uh, Chris, you know, we've still got a lot of guys on the team that are not performing very well. Uh, you know, Paul DeYoung is one of them. He's one of your top guys. He's hitting under 180. Uh, O'Neill just came back, so take that with a grain of salt. He's limited at bat, so if he has a couple of good games, that average could jump up, but he's 167. Uh, Justin Williams, for some reason, keeps playing everything. He's an everyday player. He's only batting 190 after today. So you would think with him playing every day, that would be getting a little old by now. I, at, at that rate, I would almost rather see Edmund in the outfield and Carpenter getting more reps at second. Uh, at least that's my opinion. Uh, but we've got a lot of those guys that are not still performing, so we've got a huge part of the order that's still missing link. You know, maybe they're playing Williams a lot because when Bader gets back, no one will be able to complain that Williams should be hitting and not Bader, and then it'll be a defensive upgrade. I don't know your thoughts on the Justin Williams experiment and why it's gone on for so long. I, I think, you know, like you said, it's just a matter of giving him as many opportunities as possible, maybe to showcase what he's got, because he has had the hardest road of getting a spot uh, with Bader coming back. I mean, you, you do have Dean in the mix that, in my opinion, probably should be getting more playing time than Williams. At times, both of them look good in the field and look good at the plate. Other times, not so much. Um, and those are maybe sometimes we call those the 4A players, like they're too good for AAA and not good enough to make the big league club. Uh, but I, you know, you kind of mentioned Carpenter, his batting average, though, 0.075. 
I think, you know, Mazalak had said in an article when some people were venting their frustrations about Carpenter that they wanted to give him as much time as possible. But with, you know, O'Neill coming back and with Bader coming back, his his opportunities are going to be very limited. And because the production hasn't been there, they're going to have a hard time justifying giving him some opportunities going forward. O'Neill, like you said, he, his batting average hasn't been great. He did have a couple home runs in his comeback game, got a curtain call, which was nice. But, you know, hopefully you'll see some consistency from him. And when Bader comes back, uh, God help us if Bader's a 200 or below hitter because we're, we're needing some offense. Yeah, and a lot of things are clicking for the team. You know, in, in that same interview, Ms. Alok said that, uh, you know, basically this experiment with Carbon, they could only allow it to go on so long. He was pretty candid about basically saying they're not at the designated uh, first assignment, you know, part yet. But they're not ruling it out. Basically, they're being pretty candid, which I thought was pretty, pretty interesting for especially for Mazalock to throw that out there and and say, you know, this we're, we do have limitations with running this and seeing how long this works out for. So that was interesting. But you can only have you know your bottom four guys today on in the order for the five guys, with the exception of Kinsner, we're batting under two hundred. You can't have a typical. We've talked about this in years past can't have a typical lineup with that many guys not performing because then we've got the top half now hitting well and the bottom half not. Larry, your thoughts? I mean, I don't have a – I want to just bring it up because obviously it's a problem. We've we've won the last, you know, several games and we won – we swept the series with the Reds, which was good news. But, you know, some of these other bats have to start clicking or maybe, you know, why hasn't Dean got a shot? I, I think early on, I think the miscues that Dean had in the outfield a little bit kind of put a damper on his, uh, I don't know, his sparkle, I guess you could say. Um, the other thing is I the Williams thing, the only thing I can think of is because there's no minor league facility really to send him to, um, the, what good's it going to do for a player like him to go down to the alternate side or just to work out with no other players' real reality now that he's played in the majors? Um, so there's that. You don't want to hinder his growth either, despite what we see right now. The kid's got talent. It's just he's not putting it all together. Um, but it's just a sad state of affairs when we're looking at Bader bringing us 200 average and he's going to be the top hitter in the outfield other than Carlson. And that's a sad part for us. But I, I, I read the same article Chris wrote, uh, read that about uh, Mizalak and John Car- and uh, Matt Carpenter. Sorry. And um, Carpenter, I think he's on a short leash. I still say. I'm, I'm looking at probably that May 1st. Um, if Bader's back with O'Neill, uh, there's no spot really for a Carpenter to be sitting there. The outfield, I can, I can live with Bader's hitting 200 as long as Carlson's hitting because the defense is different. That's the one thing we do know that Bader brings. So, I mean, that's nothing but better for us. But even if we had a better option at second base than Carpenter with Edmund moving to the outfield, I'd be happy with that. The problem is, is Edmund right now is, I mean, I've forgotten who Wong is, to be honest with you. So, Yeah, so have the Brewers because he's been hurt. Um, yeah, and then coming along, let's go, to the, let's go to the flip side of that. I mean, well, you're going to have, well, to retouch on that before we move along. You know, DeYoung is going to be a guy that's going to be streaky, and I feel like O'Neal's very similar as far as offensive styles. O'Neal obviously has more tools because uh, he's got a lot more speed. But both those guys are going to hit – but they're going to get streaky. Like you said, Chris, you know, O'Neill's going to get a couple bombs in one game. We've seen DeYoung do it, and we'll see DeYoung do it again. You can live with a couple of those guys, but not four. So hopefully Bader is able to turn the tide and show some 
no offensive uptick in production this year would be nice. Uh, but flip side of that, we we do got a couple of guys. I'm not going to really touch on Goldie and Arenado because they're performing like normal. Their average isn't quite where we wanted it to be. We haven't seen them perform, and they haven't had to. But when those guys start clicking and, and can carry the offense, that'll be impressive. But uh, like we were just saying with Larry, he was just saying who's who's Wong. Tommy Edmond is still doing an amazing job. Uh, had another great game today. He's doing a great job getting on base, running the base pass, but. Uh, we suggested moving Carlson up in the second spot even before the season started, and now they've done so, Chris, and he is performing. He's hitting over 300. He's getting on base. He looks good. He's moving Edmund. Even when he's not getting on base, he's moving the runner. Your thoughts on Carlson? He's turning into the player we expect him to be. Yeah, we you know, we were on board with moving him up with the exception of maybe the fact of him and Edmund both being switch hitters back-to-back that that might you know, kind of cause the Cardinals not to go that route, but I think a lot of what's helping Carlson, too, is when you've got somebody like Edmund taking professional at-bats that has been on base, what, every single game this season, Tommy Edmund's been on base. That's just incredible. And Edmund has kind of turned into your prototypical leadoff guy. I mean, he's got speed and he's contact and spray to all fields. And, you know, currently being able to hold down second base and to play good outfield, too. He's made a lot of hell of a plays in the outfield. But having Carlson batting second, uh, in front of Goldschmidt and Arenado, I think that's given him some better pitches to hit. It doesn't clog him down with some struggling, you know, bats lower in the lineup. Uh, the thing with this team, we've said it's feast or famine a lot, but as much as hitting is contagious, not hitting seems to be contagious. So, like like you said, with guys like DeYoung and O'Neal, it seems like when they're all clicking, those are the games we're scoring 11 runs. And then the other games, it's like both of them over for four with three strikeouts. That that's something that you know it's it's going to be hard to overcome for this team. But as far as Carlson, I mean, he's definitely making a case for Rookie of the Year and moving him up totally made sense. I know a lot of fans were clamoring for it. Glad to finally see it, and it's paying off. They were clamoring for it, but Larry uh, Carlson does look pretty good. I mean, he's moved up to the two hole, and he's getting some good pitches behind Edmund and in front of Goldschmidt, like we thought he would, which has given him the opportunity to get locked in. Uh, hopefully he stays there, and Carlson is the type of player that could, if he gets locked in enough, and once he gets his feet settled underneath him, he can carry this team, as we're kind of seeing him and Edmund being the one-two punch, and Goldie and Arenado haven't had to become the superstars as of yet. Yeah, I mean, we, we said all along, we thought Carlson was, that was his best spot for him, was put him in the two. Um, the problem, I mean, the thing is now, as you're looking at the downside of the roster, um, how many consecutive outs are we going to have after Arenado? That's the problem that I see. Um, but, again, we're establishing a young player, and that's why I keep saying, you know, I, I'd like to see him just move to right field, bat second, be left alone, and let him grow there and become accustomed to what he's supposed to be doing. So, Edmund has Edmund has surprised me. I, I mean, again, I, I'm big enough of a person to admit I didn't see this kid getting any better than was two years ago. So, I'm very impressed with him as well. Yeah, he's made some good defensive plays. I still don't think – I know a lot of people are trying to sell it a lot easier. But, you know, Colt, I still don't think he's the defensive player Colt Wong is, but he's better than average defensive player. I mean, I don't care what anyone says. Colton Wong is probably one of the best defensive second basemen we've seen in a very long time or will see for a long time. Don't mean that Edmund's a bad one. I'm just saying I think you're taking a tick down, but I do think Edmund is by far the superior – uh, offensive player, and I'm going to say probably a better baseball mind, not as much of a 
I think Wong is kind of like Carlos Martinez or was until last year, you know, was one of those players that kind of would get emotional and get in his own head a little bit. So um, things have worked out well on that front, but Edmonds get a 333 on base percentage and Dylan Carlson after, after tonight, which would be Tuesday for everyone that's watching and listening is Carlson's got basically at a 400 on base percentage and a 927 OPS. So still some amazing numbers that he is putting up. Uh, we're taking a look at the division standings, and there's not a lot of room separating these teams. The Cardinals are still in the middle of the pack, Chris, and uh, leading the way in the division after the Cardinals took care of the Reds are the Milwaukee Brewers, and they have got some uh, pretty good pitching. But second is a little bit of a surprise. The Pittsburgh Pirates uh, are having a good start to the season, a good month of April. Your thoughts still on the division and where we stand and what you think it's going to look it's going to look like this for the rest of the year, you think? I, I mean, I knew coming in that we would beat up on the division. The division would beat up on us. But Pittsburgh's been a surprise because I, I had them pegged at maybe one in 60 games for the season. And they've come out and somehow managed to get some wins. But with uh, with the Reds, it's kind of been their bats have been what's carried them, but their pitching is what's cost them. Uh, you know, when you look at the Cubs, the – the Cubs had, you know, such a cold streak with their bats at the beginning of the season, and they don't really have any arms that scare you. But between those two teams, I mean, I figured that would be middle of the pack and Pittsburgh would be buried down at the bottom. So it's a little surprising. I did think Milwaukee would be our toughest competition. And even though they haven't been 100% with Yelich being out, Wong being out, they do have Burns and uh, Woodruff that have looked really tough. And then, of course, they've got Hader and Williams in the bullpen. So that, I think, will still be our yeah, those will be our, our, our biggest competition will be the Brewers. But I, I do think the Reds, probably their bats will keep them in the running for third place. The Cubs could be in sell mode, you know, by the end of the year. If they keep struggling like this, they've got some pieces like Rizzo, Bryant, Contreras, and Baez that I could see them shopping uh, to maybe try to rebuild that team. Yeah, uh, the Cubs, who really knows? I mean, they talk about extending some guys, and they talk about not extending them, so who knows where they're going to be until they're finally done. I don't think uh, re-signing everyone is going to be a feasible option for them. Um, Larry, your thoughts on the Central Division so far? I mean, the Reds look pretty good. I think for us, our key is going to be consistency, and we don't have to score a bunch of runs because I know our offense is kind of back and forth, but as long as our pitching is consistent, like we talked about, uh, back even back in spring training, the three of us, you know, we said we believe our pitching is our strong suit. And now that our starters are going deeper into games, it's going to kind of take that pressure off the bullpen. And that's going to be our key because if our pitching is doing well, we don't need to score 10 runs. We could win off three or four, which I think we're more than capable of. But your thoughts on the division so far, Larry, where the Cubs are and our, the Pirates now for tonight's game, we're tied with them in second place. So your thoughts on the division so far? Yeah, like like Chris said, I, I think the Pirates are the huge surprise in the division. Um, I think they've won more games this year than anybody planned that they thought they would win for the whole year. To be honest with you, um, they're just they're getting by. They're just doing what they have to do to survive. Um, Milwaukee playing as well as they are, even without Yelich being uh, as effective as it was in the past. Um, we know again their their bullpen is probably one of the top three or four in the league. Um, then on top of that, they've had good starting pitching, which has been the surprise for me. I didn't think Milwaukee's starting pitching would be as good as it is. Um, the Cubs, I, I think they're going to go full sell mode, and I think it's going to be way before uh, the deadline because um, they'll want they'll want to get rid of those players, the the Baez, the the uh, Bryant, um, Rizzo is the one that kind of I I don't know I don't know what they have in the minors to replace him. 
Uh, I know they've got shortstops and third basemen, but the first baseman, I think that leaves a huge gap for them. Uh, Contreras, they've talked about trading him for the last couple of years. I mean, last year they played that uh, catching, they had different catchers every week. It seemed like they were playing uh, last two years. Um, then on top of that, the Reds, as long as they're home, they're just pounding out the home runs. They get away from, they get away from that ballpark and it, it just seems like they struggle a lot. Um, it, it, I mean, they actually did win yesterday, but they're, you know, they're, they're three and seven, in their last 10. So, um, I, I, I think they're going to struggle with pitching all year. So, yeah. And still, no matter where we're at, even though we're through one month in the season, everybody's just a couple of games apart. And just looking at some of the division standings, you guys, you know, we said the National League East was going to be the workhorse and the, the toughest division in baseball. And so far, they definitely look like they are the worst. Uh, the first place team is 500. That's the Mets. They've had some missed games due to COVID back and forth. So the, a lot of those teams haven't played as many. But Atlanta, Philadelphia, they're all uh, under 500, thanks to the Cardinals for the Phillies anyways. But um the Marlins, the Nationals only have won eight games. They're tied with Colorado for uh, being horrible. The worst in the National League, it looks like. Uh, the Twins and the Tigers are, have seven wins apiece in the American League. So, uh, looks like what we thought was going to be interesting is not. But we were correct on the West. We knew it was going to be the Dodgers and the Padres beating up on each other, and the rest were going to be horrible, and that's what it looks like it's going to be. And I don't want to go off too far topic with Cardinals baseball, but have you guys watched any of those Cardinal, those uh, Dodgers and Padres games? Those games have been exciting and fun to watch. They've been exciting, and I was I was telling Tina when we were watching them that they they had a playoff feel to them. Uh, you know, the games they it, it meant something. You know, it wasn't just a regular game. These guys like the Padres would be down, and they're chipping away, chipping away, and you know. Th- they're only a couple games above 500 with as good a team as they've got, you know? So I, I know that while we keep saying that it's early, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams out there, especially when you look like the Yankees, you know, being in last place, that really wasn't where people would slot them. And in the American Lake Central, you got the Kansas city Royals who were tearing it up in the first place and nobody would have thought that. So hats off to Mike Matheny for getting his team up there and, you know, hopefully they continue to win, but yeah, the the Dodgers and Padres have been exciting, especially the the antics between Trevor Bauer and Fernando Tatis Jr., which you can elaborate on. They had a pretty nice yeah, little deal. It was amazing and hilarious. I watched it repeatedly. So if you, uh, with the whole one eye thing and then doing the walk after the home run was priceless. But yeah, if you, if anyone out there is watching, you have any younger people in the family that you want to get hooked on baseball like competition, I would definitely recommend checking those games out. I think the Dodgers and the Padres are the new Yankees, Boston Red Sox uh, for sure, because that rivalry is kind of going away. And in reality, the Cardinals and Cubs aren't the same. We haven't played the Cubs yet, which is kind of a shame. But uh, you know, I think whenever we do play the Cubs, it's always one of those weird games that anything can happen. But they definitely don't scare them anymore with their, their pitching definitely taking a huge hit. But the Dodgers and the Padres are definitely fun to watch. So check it out. And the Royals are doing well. So I'm surprised the hashtag hire Matheny hasn't kicked back up and everybody wanted to fire him. Him and Mabry, who him and Mabry have all sorts of the Royals and Cal Eldred. So, Chris, why don't you give everyone a uh, – quick social media update of Cardinals nation 24 seven. You are the founder my friend. So take it away. It has been uh, nice to see an uptick in page follows on our Facebook page. We're close to 64,000 follows now. 
um, you know, Twitter and Instagram, people can find us there also, but you know, the YouTube channel that we, we do here with our podcast, it's coming up getting close to 600 subscribers in just a short time. So that's pretty amazing. And, you know, it's a testament to everybody that tunes in and likes subscribes and helps share this content out because, you know, as I've said before, there's only so many hours in the day that we can share this stuff out. So the more people that tune in and like it, you know, comment on the videos that helps too. You know, we'll, we'll shoot you a comment back and, and we just appreciate everybody that tunes in. And we've also had quite a few downloads on the audio version as well, even though we'd much prefer you to tune in here and see our pretty faces while we talk Cardinal baseball. It's, it's available out there for audio on Apple podcasts, Google podcast, and everywhere else you can catch a podcast. Very well said, Chris. Good job. Thank you for the update of Cardinal Nation 24-7. You're welcome, sir. Thank you to all of our listeners and subscribers. We do appreciate the support. They need to smash that subscribe button if they haven't already. You know, because, uh, you know, we do get into some of the analytics that tell us most of the people watching these videos are from non-subscribers. I know some of that comes from people that don't have a YouTube account per se, so they're just clicking the video and watching it. But uh, it takes only a minute to set up an account. And we'd appreciate if you do that and give us a give us a follow. We sure do, and we do appreciate all of our uh, supporters uh, subscribing and liking, and especially commenting from Asia. Spam bots. <laughs> I think we I think we've had a few of those that uh, hey for a good time click this <laughs> click this site here. I thought uh, I was just trying to support them. So, I mean, I clicked on it. I was just trying to, you know, scratch our back, we scratch yours. And I was shocked. Uh-huh. Oh, I am a subscriber. I have liked and subscribed to their channel as well. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of content do they have over there at AsianBabes.com? Except and we don't charge three ninety nine a minute here. <laughs> no, not yet. A minute. Larry is showing his age. <laughs> What is it, the wrestling hotline? Uh, 1-900-909-99. After the Cardinals finish up the series with the Phillies uh, on Thursday, they head out to Pittsburgh for a series with the Pirates. It's always fun to watch games there in the PNC Park. I like that ballpark, and we seem to usually fare uh, pretty well. And then we uh, go back home to play the New York Mets, which – who they will be hosting uh, whenever we do this podcast next week. Playing the Pirates, that should be a cakewalk, but for some reason, it's teams like that, and especially this season, they, they are finding ways to win. So if we catch them on a night where they're clicking, I mean, that it, just because we're playing the Pirates, I wouldn't chalk that up as a, a W in advance. It should be interesting either way, and sometimes you have to throw win-loss records completely out the window. It's just nice to – when you're playing some of these teams like the Phillies to see your Bryce Harpers and your Real Mutos and some of the good pitching that they have. Uh, and I'll have to honestly uh, take a good look at the Pirates and see who they have this playing well because it seems like almost every year the Pirates have uh, another cast of characters that they're trying to, you know, ride to the finish line, so to speak. Uh, so I guess we'll come up and we'll start talking about uh, in closing, Chris, anything you want to cover here at the end of the podcast? Well, one thing that's not Cardinal related, you know, I guess you guys uh, heard that the uh, Colorado Rockies general manager stepped down after just a few over 20 games this season. And Rocky fans are kind of on and off on 
wanting not just him gone, but the ownership to sell the team. But, you know, after we fleeced him on the Arenado deal, uh, I think Colorado fans are, I don't know. Uh, a lot. What a lot of people don't realize is they say, you know, everyone's excited that the GM is gone, but the GM had to get owner approval to make that uh, deal happen. And Arenado actually had problems directly with ownership, which is one of the reasons that trade took place uh, overall. So for all of you that don't really dive into the information as far as it goes, uh, the Rockies are still the same team and the move was made with the same ownership. So I can see the diehard fans definitely wanting a change of ownership, but Cardinals fans seem to want that all the time. And we seem to always do a good job. So I'm sure they'll really, I'm sure the owner of the Rockies is losing sleep at night and his fans want to want him out of there. Yeah. I've heard less of the fire John Mazalak and Bill DeWitt this year than I have in years past, but there are those out there that getting Arenado was not enough, you know, and while I might agree to an extent, you know, it might've been nice to go get that complimentary piece to add to the puzzle along with him. Uh, I don't think you can say anything bad about this offseason and getting the best third baseman in baseball. No, we they went out, the fans, you know, the, we wanted Arenado, they took care of that. Everybody, all the fans wanted Wayno and Yachty back. They went out and got both of them. I mean, the Cardinals front office has more so than not, uh, you know, done what is in the best interest of Cardinals baseball every single year, year in and year out. And it's always paid off. You know, fans wanted us to go after Carlos Gonzalez years ago. He's been gone for several years now, not playing. They, people were upset we didn't re-sign Albert Pujols. He's a shell of his former self. Uh, in L.A., and he wouldn't be playing at all if he was playing for us because we couldn't afford to have him at first base. Uh, people wanted us to go after Chris Davis, you know, who still plays for the Orioles. Well, he's still a member of the Orioles, but he's making all that big money and not doing anything. So the Cardinals seem to know what they're doing. You know, we a lot of us weren't happy about the cold long situation, but that seems to be currently working out. So these guys are in their positions and have done this for a while for a reason. And I think after everything that uh, they've done for – the city of St. Louis and for Cardinals baseball, we should just kind of, you know, let them take the reins and just sit back and enjoy the games as fans. But I know that'll never happen. Well, I mean, we, we like to complain about things that we don't agree with, but again, I mean, the business dealings of the, the hotels, and the apartments downtown, the fans here look at that as, you know, that's money that could have been spent on the team. Well, first off, it's it's his real estate investments. That's his separate separate entity than DeWitt in the franchise. And and as an outsider that doesn't live in St. Louis, is not from St. Louis, um, I love the improvements of the downtown area. I love going to the mecca of baseball now, and that and that's exactly what it's become. I mean, it's nice. Um, it's not that drab and dark area anymore, and the empty lots, and that's huge as a baseball fan. Um, I, I love it. I love that aspect of it. I think the DeWitts for that. I mean, I, I don't agree with every move they've made, but they're millionaires and billionaires. And I'm a guy sitting here making a podcast. That's and that's our thing. And even like the Colorado fans complaining, it's real simple. Pack the stadium. Arenado would have still been there. Yeah. Could have been. I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures from one Cardinal way at St. Louis too, but man, talk about a beautiful view. You know, that would be a nice, and it hit the pocketbook pretty good, but that'd be a nice room to get where you can just overlook and see Bush stadium. And like Larry said, the, the way that it used to be around Bush stadium was 
really dark and dreary, you know. So it's it's impressive that the Cardinals are, you know, making it a beautiful scenery downtown, you know. And I, I don't the ones that are complaining, like like you said, they're just looking for something to complain about. Yeah, but one thing that St. Louis is missing is we have our big, you know, corporate structures that they've had for a long time, but they don't have a lot of those uh, sky rise type luxury apartments that a lot of cities got, and it just adds to the skyline and the overall look of the ballpark. And that's one thing you can tell if you look at pictures uh, back from the last several years at Bush Stadium is they're always adding and doing something to develop that area. In this last uh, December, even though COVID was going on, I did I was able to go home. Uh, hadn't been back for a couple of years, and I was able to go to Ballpark Village and walk around and get get some food there. But it was a very, the museum wasn't open, which was disappointing. Even though I'm I'm a member of the museum, uh, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I don't have anything else to add. The minor league season is coming up soon. Uh, we'll be starting on May the fourth. So uh, my secondary podcast, I'm going to do this audio version only. Redbirds with red wine. I'll be kicking that off once the minor league season starts, and we know exactly what players are going to be assigned to what team. I'll start doing a deep dive into that. That should probably be sometime next week. So look for that to come out, Chris. What do you got going on? I will be doing a Cardinal Cuts here in the next day or so, um, you know, with as much content as we put out between our flagship show. And last week we did have a conversation with the nation where we had Brad Kell from Arc City Media, as well as Matt Graves from Redbird Rants, which was a great show. Anybody that's tuning into this, go watch last week's episode. It's, you know, it's just opinion based, but it's it's worth watching. So, you know, we don't want to podcast people to death. Um, that's why I kind of push my side project out a little further. But I'll be doing a Cardinal Cuts with Chris Lawless uh, the next day or two. Everyone's complaining about blackouts. If you're blacked out and you don't like seeing it and you don't like the MLB app, you could always subscribe to the extra innings package. Fork out a little money. That's just what you have to do if you don't live local. Sorry, folks, but complaining to us doesn't do you any good that'll do it for us for this uh, episode of cardinal nation 24 7 lucky number 13 we appreciate you stopping by please like uh subscribe and share if possible to your friends we do appreciate the support and go cards go cards I bet there's a voucher or a number on that you open the game on the inside, like where the manual's supposed to be. That's where mine was. That's a little white card. No, it just says warning. Nope, it just says warning on it. Then the other one just says the Xbox Series voucher included. That's all it is. There's no number. There's nothing. There it is on the back. Never mind. I stand corrected. My bad. Thank you, Mr. Jared Redwine. I'm old, dude. Give me a break. at all. Oh, Kaylin, you gotta say hi, you ain't got no damn shirt on. Hi. <laughs> hi, hon. Go to bed. Go to bed. <laughs> That's what I would tell Knucklehead. Yeah. Alright. Get out of here. God damn it. Don't unhook the router. Yeah, no shit. I've already told him that. I've got the air turned off. <laughs> I was playing the, we were doing this the other night, Larry, for fucking night.
team. Somebody undid the router. Like we were in the middle of that live thing, and Chris just disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> have any show notes for today hold on a second okay, we'll see you later and joining us uh, studio I'm about to whoop some ass up in here it's six the usual studio Do you have it on gallery view now, Chris? You can see us all? Yeah. Okay. And what? Hello, Cardinal fans, and welcome to another episode of Cardinal Nation 24-7 Podcast. I'm what? If you ask him really nice, maybe. <laughs> I knew I should have started like that. I was doing something else. I thought, oh, here we go. You know, at the same time, it's nice to have a fresh young arm. Yeah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, what are you saying, Chris? Yeah, oh, give me a minute, you motherfucker. <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> you broke me down, man. I was like, don't look at the screen. Don't look at the screen. <laughs> oh. God. What were you saying, Chris? We missed out. <laughs> I was watching Jared Dito's mic. <laughs> Skills. <laughs> yeah, you have a little tickle down here, too. Yeah, shit. My next move is going to be to bring this bottle in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh you got me, man. This hops good. Whoo! Ah! Uh, See you guys. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.